John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, this is Ed Peterson. And this is John Kiltickup. And this is the High Game Podcast. Yep, totally. Yeah. What do we talk about on this podcast, John? Guitars. Okay. Can we talk about pedals today? Uh, I think today would be a good time to do that. Okay. Let's talk about guitars and guitar pedals. And guitar pedals. Yeah. Maybe an ovation guitar. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe aluminum neck guitars. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. Where are we recording from, John? Beautiful. West Seattle, Washington. That's great. I went to the farmer's market today. Yeah. And I got us uh, kombucha shots from Mystic Kombucha, a little kind of bespoke kombucha that I'm really afraid of because it's number one ingredient is ginger and it's number two ingredient is cayenne. So I'm a little afraid. And the color of this is yeah. completely unappetizing. <laughs> it's, it's kind of mud colored. It's like a like, beige beverage. Before we start doing that, yeah. uh, we got a guy on the line here uh, yeah. from Oklahoma. We've never done one of these remote things before. So if there's any technical difficulties, it's going to be terrible. But uh, hey, it's uh, Brady from Old Blood Noise Endeavors. Yep. How's it going? Hey, do you have a beverage? Um, do you have like a coffee? I do. I have some coffee sitting here. That's great. Is it from a local coffee guy? or? Yeah, it's from uh, a shop called Elemental, uh, which is in Oklahoma City. That sounds lovely. One of our biggest sort of local coffee places. Oh, God. This thing is... Wow. <laughs> oh, holy it's, shit it's did you both get one or are you sharing one i poured it out of a bottle yeah it's just straight cayenne pepper god damn like, dude <laughs> it's good it makes for good audio i think <laughs> i was telling john i have this impression that everyone that lives in oklahoma is or has been in the flaming lips that's my impression of oklahoma True or not? It's not true, but it's almost true. Great. Great. I haven't been in the Flaming Lips, but my partner Seth yeah? at Old Blood yeah. 
he used to work for the video department uh, for Flaming Lips. I mean, department, quotation. You know, that creative side of it. Yeah. Did he work on that movie, the, the Christmas on Mars or whatever? I think he was a little bit after that. Okay. But to further expound on, on that idea, one of the guys that works here, Connor, he's currently a guitar tech for Flaming Lips. <laughs> See, I knew it! <laughs> <laughs> and one of the other guys that works here... His name's Isaac. His cousin is Derek Brown, who is in the Flaming List. See? I so you're not totally wrong. Everybody's like one degree removed or directly in it. Hey, Brady. Yeah. We're going to pause this for a second. Okay. Ed just spilled a fuck ton of uh, kombucha. <laughs> oh, really? He <laughs> couldn't handle the cayenne, huh? Man. I've never had kombucha with cayenne in it. It sounds like it would take all the joy right out of it. It opened those uh, nasal passages. Yeah. So have you lived in Oklahoma this whole time? Uh, Yeah. I grew up in a suburb of Oklahoma City. I still have family that lives there. I went to school at the University of Oklahoma. What did you study there? Film and video studies. I guess it helped in some different areas, but... We're kind of big fans of your videos. Well, thanks. I met Seth at the University of Oklahoma in like film and video studies classes. And so Seth managed to pursue a career line of work that made use of some of that. But Seth went on to like work for the Flaming Lips and work for a guy named George Salisbury, who did like Christmas on Mars and stuff like that for them. Does all the Flaming Lips video stuff. I'm back. Good. This has turned into a Flaming Lips podcast, which was unintentional. But I went and started digging into you guys a couple years ago. And just the video output is amazing. Thank you. Is Oklahoma just also full of amazing locations to shoot? You guys shoot in churches and barns and just out in fields and stuff. It, it's great. Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of scenic, pleasant things to see if you have access to it. Yeah, the procession video. I don't know if that's a church, but you're like sipping wine and playing through that pedal. Yeah, that's a church in Oklahoma City that one of our buddies was doing sound for. And they had just recently restored it or something, but it was kind of coming back to life. And um, the people who ran it were extremely cool about being a part of things that had nothing to do with church or religion, like just being a part of kind of community music stuff. Yeah. They were super cool about letting us shoot multiple videos there. In the procession demo song video, mm -hmm. there's an empty pool that we shot some stuff in, and that's also in the church. <laughs> oh, that's in the church? when. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's great. That one looks funny just because there's all those cables on the ground, and there's like a pool drain. It's got an element of danger to it, even though it's empty. <laughs> yeah. It looks like you guys should not be there. We probably shouldn't have been. <laughs> it was running power from super far away, anywhere we could find it, into this somewhat empty pool. Yeah, exactly. I think they've filled it in since then. Or That's Seth that does most of the video stuff, right? Is that... Yes. Just got a lot of sort of guerrilla content making experience, you know? Right. And that's sort of how we've operated from day one. It's like, we'll just kind of try and figure it out ourselves and use a lot of gaff tape. That's perfect. I think that's a huge part of the old blood thing that I like the brand that you've created. All the videos, the Instagram stuff, it flows together. A lot of times, 
And especially at the beginning, the people that helped us do the bigger video shoots, they didn't work for us. They're just our friends, you know. That's the video company that's always called out? Yeah, Atria. The guy named Blake Stuttered. We've worked with Blake in a lot of different areas. Actually, we office together and share equipment, ideas, try and help each other do stuff. From day one, Blake has helped us do our video stuff because we didn't have equipment or money for equipment. Yeah. Was he ever in the Flaming Lips? He's done video stuff for him. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, man, that's not an exaggeration. Everybody is. Everybody loosely connected to music is going to be a few steps removed. Six degrees of Flaming Lips. The question that's popping up in my mind If you went to school and studied film and video with your buddy, what made you take that left turn into electronics? It's a good question. I've got no background in electronics, at least no technical background, no schooling. I, in my early 20s, was sort of flapping around trying to figure out what to do. Probably wasn't going to be a musician. Is that because the flaming lips were already set? (laughs) Yeah, they claimed everybody. So... I did some random jobs. I like worked as a bank teller. I worked in the mortgage industry processing data for default loans and stuff. Oh my God. Yeah, this was around like 2007, <laughs> 2008. I wasn't very happy though. I didn't really know what I should be doing or where my skill sets really lied. And somebody had mentioned Keeley. I knew about Keeley, hadn't played any of their pedals. They had been around since maybe 2002, 2001. Right. So I applied for a job there. Are they in Oklahoma? Yeah, they're in the town that I grew up in. What town did you grow up in? Edmond, Oklahoma. Edmond, Oklahoma. Wow. So I didn't know how to solder. I bought a BYOC two-for-one deal. Right, build your own clone? Yeah. They send you a built-out clone, and then they send you another kit that you can build yourself. So I got a kit. Tried to work on it, tried to figure out how to solder and all that stuff. I had the job, but I had a little window where I wasn't working there yet. And I did not figure it out in that time frame. So I went into the job not knowing how to solder or anything about electronics at all. From there, you went on to Walrus for a little while, right? Yeah. So at Keeley, I worked with some guys, taught me a lot, mainly about the production side of it. I worked on mods and then I started to work on some of the other Keeley pedals. So like the phaser, stuff like that. And eventually uh, I got this opportunity to start what would become Walrus Audio with a, um, at the time, friend an investor, maybe? I don't know. Money guy. Yeah, yeah. Right. So they are also in Oklahoma? They're in Oklahoma City. <laughs> That's quite a little cottage industry out there. It's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> What do you got there, Ed? I've got on a music stand in front of me a Alpha Haunt, a Dweller, a Mondegreen, a Procession, and a Dark Star. Kind of a pretty good range there. Why don't we hit this uh, Procession? Okay. Can you tell what settings are on on that, Brady? It's probably flange mode. Flange and filter are kind of similar in some ways. Are you quizzing him on his own pedals? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good. I'll go months without playing 
something that's ours. I picked up the Dweller right when it came out, I think, and your settings on the Dweller are bonkers. <laughs> what was your name for the uh, Dweller preset? Uh, it was Bubble Guts. Yeah. <laughs> I called that pedal Bubble Guts for like six months before it came out. Yeah. I think all of your pedals, they are super useful and then you can go into just really wacky noise territory. Yeah. I think the bubble gut setting is kind of that. I really enjoyed the step phaser-ish sound that you get out of that setting. Yeah. If I remember correctly, my setting didn't have the uh, stretch control up at all. So it was just pure phaser, but it's like a random step. Yeah. Phaser, so it's very like bubbly and unpredictable. That's the other thing with these pedals is, you know, I own delays and I own phasers. And one thing that I don't think I can do with my delays and phasers is get them to sound like your pedal that's effectively delay and phase. Yeah. Is that kind of a by design thing? It is, yeah. That's where we landed and we we're like, this is different from what's already out there. Is it the kind of thing where you set out to do that or you just have a vague idea that you want to work with these kinds of tones and then once you hear it, you know it? Well, to open up on our design process nowadays, you know, over the years it's, it changes here and there, but we've got a guy that works here named Dan, and Dan is the digital designer now. He started out helping me out with inventory, and he would drill cases, kind of like general production stuff, right. screen print the cases, and then keep inventory numbers. He would kind of help me out with shipping, help me develop some different organizational things to help the business run better. And then one day he said he wanted to take a crack at some programming. And I said, okay, well, here's a computer with the programs that we use. And he came back the next day and knew more about it than I did. Wow. So that's been his job. So you designed the circuits in software? Yes, for some of them. So there's an actual programming language to the pedals themselves? Correct. I did not know how that worked. No. Oh, it's just capacitors, right? There's little monkeys on treadmills inside the box. It's all magic. Yeah. How often do you design a circuit and then you put the thing together and then it doesn't sound anything like you thought it was supposed to, but you end up liking it better anyway? Uh, I'd say that happens. I think that we're pleasantly surprised by the idea of finding quirks and making them musical. And I think we pursue that. I would have a really hard time coming up with a favorite of these pedals. Yeah. Whichever one is turned on, I think is my favorite yeah. <laughs> in the moment. You know, like when I'm playing with it, that's my favorite. <laughs> Hit me with that alpha haunt, Ed. Oh, man. Yeah, I like that. I really like the settings on this thing. You can get anything you want. This is a Jaguar we're playing today, Brady. Nice. What year did that guitar come out, John? 62. Introduced as the top of the line. Yep. Uh, funny thing about it. Yeah. The kind of jagged edge around the pickups. That is made to increase RF shielding. Well, that would probably make sense. Yeah. So back in the, you know, late 50s, 60s, our man Nat Daniel of uh, Dan Electro hung up a, a jazz master in front of a fluorescent light fixture and turned up the volume and uh, let everybody who walked by hear the sound of the... Uh, an unshielded guitar. <laughs> and he had a Dan Electro right next to it that, of course, was shielded. 
Uh, and so let people make their own conclusions. Was this in like like early 60s? This yeah, is like this would have been like 60, 61, <laughs> something like that. What and did what did our guy Leo think of that? I think it pissed the fuck out of Leo. <laughs> and uh, as I understand it, Leo bought a Dan Electro and took it back to California because they wanted to figure out how he did that. What is that because of the lipstick tubes? Does that do something? No, or is Nat, it because Nat of the way he wound? Nat shielded the the pickup cavity and the electronics cavity with oh. you know I don't know if it was aluminum or you know whatever he shielded it with some science. He laid down the science. Did you know that, Brady? I didn't know that. I imagine it was kind of like the Wild West back then. So you have a Jaguar, right, Brady? Uh, yeah. Is it an older one or a reissue or maybe a sixty? <laughs> that's kind of an oldie boy that sounds probably better than it is it it's been stripped of its color with lots of dents that's great i think it has an sg bridge like a 70s <laughs> sg bridge on it the pickups don't wow. match i think when i got it actually it didn't even have the decal on the headstock so at one point this was a really nice guitar yeah. it's still a great guitar but it takes a lot of bruises. This thing didn't sell well at all. Came out in 62, they couldn't give them away. And they tried all kinds of upgrades, like custom colors, block inlays, all kinds of stuff. They couldn't make a dent in it. Everybody wanted the tellies and the strats, and they weren't interested. So much so that in 75, they just, fuck it, discontinued it. It's also weird that they made the Jag in 62, considering the Jazzmaster was 58, 59. Yeah. So was that... Like, that must have been selling enough that they decided to, to make the Jaguar. And the Jag was only the fourth guitar in their line. Strat, Tele, Jazz, Jag. That's it. Yeah. Is there anything for you, Brady, on a guitar level that drives you towards a guitar? Yeah, I think it's a lot of things. The overall aesthetic is definitely changing as I get older. I'll accept things that maybe I wouldn't have when I was younger. I have a Strat now, yeah. and I love it. That's yep. never been true until this specific Strat, and it's a piece of junk. Perfect. <laughs> That's... Somebody spray painted it. It's definitely been broken in half at some point. Um <laughs> But it's great. I feel like a lot of good ideas that I like have come out of that guitar. So Seth and I both really like the aluminum neck Kramer guitars. And then the uh, any of the ovations from the 70s yeah. are great. Aesthetically, they're weird, but they're just a little bit different. So not everybody that plays guitar right. is going to know what that feels or sounds like when you play an ovation breadwinner. That's kind of fun. And they're definitely a guitar where you pull that thing out and people are just like, what the fuck is that? There are not too many guitars that look like that. In fact, I think there's one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Breadwinner and the Deacon and all of those those Ovation solid bodies from that era are just super cool. Yeah, they're super cool. And apparently they were just all failures too. Yeah, they pretty much were. Except... Do you like ABBA, Brady? <laughs> Yeah, I tolerate ABBA. <laughs> <laughs> there are no flaming lips. Our man Bjorn from ABBA uh, played the breadwinner. Oh, really? Yeah, he did. You know that company Dunnable Guitars? No. They do a lot of doom and sort of heavier music. 
Guys like their guitar. He just did a a breadwinner. It's basically a breadwinner with a different headstock for one of the guitar players in this band, Deaf Heaven. Oh, yeah, the Deaf Heaven. (laughs) I'm not a big fan of, like, at work, just blasting music because people have different taste in music. And when you're in kind of office-y kind of environments, maybe blasting your taste is not great. Every once in a while, I'll throw on Deaf Heaven (laughs) just to, like, set a mood. Challenge those ideas of taste. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The lead man for that? Yeah. He's a snappy dresser. A thing with Brady, I like in the videos, you have constantly changing hair. Mm. That's pretty good. Watching the progression of your hair is a pretty good time. That's fun to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in a very dad state right now where it's like, I just cut it short and don't know what to do with it. So my wife, she owns a hair salon. And you don't know what to do with your hair? Well, she's hands off with my stuff. Hands off with your hair? Yeah. She doesn't want me as a client. Hands off with my stuff. Yeah. With my hair stuff. That's great. You know what I did last night, Brady? (laughs) What'd you do? I went to the Grand Illusion Cinema here in Seattle, Washington. And I saw Near Dark on 35mm. I wish that there was a place here that did that. Have you seen Near Dark? I have not. Oh, what? It's a Bill Paxton vampire movie. It's got Lance Hendrickson. It's basically the cast of James Cameron's Aliens in a vampire movie. What? If you can dig that. Cameron was married to Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. Maybe her first movie was Near Dark and it was right after Aliens. So Cameron made Aliens and then a year later Near Dark came out and it basically has half the cast of Aliens in a vampire movie. It's pretty good. Uh, I saw a Ask Me Anything with the Old Blood guys. Oh yeah, on Reddit? Exactly. Do you remember what you said your favorite Halloween movie was? Halloween 3 is great. There it is! That's what you said. It's the best. Yeah. It is amazing. The worms coming out of the masks. Terrifying. (laughs) Since the new Halloween movie's coming out, we've been listening to this podcast podcast called Halloweenies. It's a bunch of uber Halloween fans that um, discuss at length every Halloween movie. Okay. Like once a month, there was a new movie in order. How many Halloween movies are there? Not counting the Rob Zombie recons. I think there's six and then there's H2O and then there's Resurrection. (laughs) As a result, um, over the last, I don't know, four or five months, I've learned a lot about those Halloween movies because... Those guys have a lot of facts. Wow, that's crazy. I would not have realized there's that many. And yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis, stoked. Tom Atkins was the the star in <laughs> Halloween 3. He's total dad, right? Like mustache dad guy. Yeah, but I think back then that was like extreme ladies man. <laughs> ladies man dad, maybe like twice divorced. <laughs> Smokes way too much, but he's tough as shit and will fight the aliens. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I picture him as having a very hairy chest. Here's a Mondo Green. Whirl. I switched modes. Oh. do you guys generally go between releases? There's no real formula. I think in the beginning it was, let's try and do something every three or four months Yeah. to kind of stimulate 
growth and awareness and keep ourselves busy, you know, because right out the gate, we had the time to work on new projects. Anything that plays with time, I'm into. Yeah. Every two weeks, make a new fuzz pedal. John's in line. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. That's his jam. What's your favorite sound on that Alpha Haunt fuzz? Can you direct Ed to dial up something? Uh, yeah. This will be a little bit loud, but go middle <laughs> clipping mode. So no low pass filter. Low pass off. Okay. But you might want to turn your volume down because it'll be louder. Yeah. Turn the gate and the bias all the way up. Uh-huh. And now I would say go high gain on the gain toggle switch. So the toggle on the left. Flip it up. Yep. And then turn enhance all the way down and then turn your fuzz volume and master volume up to wherever you want it to be. Okay. Uh, Let's set the EQs all just right in the middle. Yep. Maybe the fuzz control at about noon. It's dialed. Let's see what that's like. Single sort of staccato notes on that, that setting. Is that what you were looking for? Yeah. <laughs> I would describe that as creamy. Was that what you were going for, Brady? Creamy? Yeah, creamy with the uh, like a pretty heavy gait. So you're kind of getting some weird harmonics going on. Uh, you could even drop the mid you all the way down, boost the bass and the treble some. You'll get a... Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. And then if you need more like, articulation on the note, turn up the enhance control. <laughs> Great. <laughs> we'll take a picture of that and put it up there as Brady's custom setting. Fuzzes, you know, they work differently with how you play. So different styles and tastes of how you want to play. The settings will vary greatly. Yeah, yeah. As Ed mentioned, I've got probably more fuzz pedals than a person <laughs> should be allowed. But I am very impressed with this one. It does so much. That's a, that's a high honor. I'll take that. Thank you. Another thing that I like in your videos is you definitely spread the love with other pedals and other manufacturers. You're not exclusive, which I appreciate. Thanks. You know, that speaks to, I guess, how I actually play guitar. I like having all of our pedals as tools if I'm looking for a sound, but on my normal board, I'll have one, maybe two of our pedals. That acknowledges that anybody playing and kind of sculpting a sound is looking for the sound they're looking for. Yeah. And so to acknowledge that you play a part in a larger sound maybe doesn't happen quite as much. I don't know. <laughs> I'd love it if everybody felt like they only needed old blood noise pedals. <laughs> <laughs> the Dweller I've been playing with a lot. That's awesome. Do you know Oliver Ackerman, Brady? Uh, yeah. And his uh, band, A Place to Bury Strangers? Absolutely. Sure. Play a little something here. This is called Deadbeat. <laughs> that is pretty noisy, huh? Yeah. I think Oliver makes pedals for himself. <laughs> It just so happens that they're all really cool and really good, so other people want them too. How much of that are you guys doing as a team? We need to do the thing that helps us be a business and pay bills. That can influence what you're trying to put out, and I think that that's all weighed against internally in me as well as in the other guys at the shop. 
Like, no, let's put out something that we're proud of that we can show people that it is something that they want. Which one do you like? Out of our pedals? Yeah. The new reflector is really, really great. I use the fault overdrive distortion on my board as a drive for bass and guitar a lot. And then the Dark Star for pads and stuff. It's awesome. I think the way I play, I rarely record anything I'm playing. I just put a bunch of pedals in a line. Sure. And fuck around with them for a couple hours. Can you get that Dark Star to work it? The idea for this just became a uh, something that's underneath what you're playing. It's like a pad. It's like a, a really soft accent to help you distinguish the mood. For me, I like to set the mood of a sequence or a song or something with a note that just drones out, but it's underneath. And that's how I would use it. Oddly enough, I hardly ever use the delay mode on that pedal. Yeah, there you go. All right. Ed and I were talking about Jaguar players in general who played it, who's still playing it, and we ended up around uh, Johnny Marr, and then we see that he's got a new album out. You can kind of hear where he's doing similar things. He was just here. He was just in Seattle. Yeah. I would love it if Johnny Marr had some of our stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Maybe get him a Dark Star. That might be worth sending one along. All right. What do you think, John? One last thing. How often do you find yourself doing this kind of thing? I would say it's rare. We don't really pursue it. But then if somebody wants to talk, yeah, let's do it. Here's a question. What are you guys reading right now? What comics? Oh, comics? Yeah, I'm usually like three or four years too late on everything. So what should I be reading right now? On the comic scene, I like Kelly Sue DeConnick. She writes a book, Bitch Planet. It's um, a prison planet for non-conformant women. Women who don't do what they're told get sent off to this orbiting planet to go to jail. <laughs> it's kind of like an old exploitation movie in comic book format. Okay. You might want to check that out. Yeah, I'll check that out. Hey, a nice thing that we can do here in West Seattle, Washington, which is actually two blocks from John's house, is Thunder Road Guitars. Uh, yeah, Frank. It is Washington State's only old blood retailer, right? Yep. It's great because they have a little wall of old blood stuff and i went in the back room and took every old blood pedal and just played with everything so if you're in west seattle go talk to frank and try out some of those pedals why don't you absolutely i've bought a guitar from him oh really yeah he posts amazing stuff he does yeah all right brady i think we're gonna wrap this thing up cool. where would people find old blood stuff oldbloodnoise.com has all of our pedals for sale listing of our dealers our videos shirts and all that stuff instagram it's at old blood noise well brady thank you very much for uh calling in thank you so much guys. really great to virtually meet you brady yeah, absolutely yeah that was great thanks guys i'm gonna get on a plane and come out to oklahoma and just play guitar with you and the flaming lips is that gonna be cool yeah <laughs> i i can say for my part i'll be there yeah <laughs> <laughs> Brady, thank you so much. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. You got it. All right. Talk to you soon. Pretty good, Ed. Yep. Yeah, that was fun. Direct line from West Seattle to 
Oklahoma. I'm pretty glad we dug into that Flaming Lips connection. I think people might want to go check out those Old Blood pedals. They got cool art. They make cool sounds. Yep. You've been listening to the High Gain Podcast, Ed. Yeah, the High Gain Podcast. We talk about guitars and pedals and Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Stuff like that. We didn't really talk about the Jaguar too much today, but you know, like fuck, it's a guitar, it's offset, curvy. Leo Fender got a sinus infection, yep. sold his company. It hurt a lot. Yep. Check us out on the highgain.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go go check out some of those uh old blood pedals. Go check out the high gain. Go check stuff out. Yeah. I don't know. Buy a t-shirt. <laughs>